Until there's a cure, there's community, because that's what you need. You need those nights where you can just let go and talk to somebody about this and laugh about it and cry about it. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, caregiver support group leader, and international presenter on caregiving issues. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, which we all know is the absolute best medicine. Yes, it is. Laughter and wine go together. Yes, it does. So don't forget the wine. No way. (laughs) This episode of The Roger That Show is sponsored by Artists Senior Living, where everyone is committed to creating a more empowered care experience. That's called The Artist's Way. So what does The Artist's Way mean? It means celebrating the unique elements of every person's story and understanding that their dementia does not define them. It means creating a positive, compassionate atmosphere of opportunity, and above all else, it means caring for everyone with dignity and respect. So if you're looking for a true memory care partner and want to learn how Artist Senior Living can help you help your loved one live their passions despite diagnosis, call 240-534-3301 or visit ArtistSeniorLiving.com. That's Artists, A-R-T-I-S, SeniorLiving.com. In prior Roger That episodes, we've talked about films and documentaries dealing with dementia, specifically in episodes 40, 70, and 91. And it, it's, it's great to find out that there's somebody else doing that. And when I saw the tagline, Wine, Women, and Dementia, I knew I needed to get in touch with Lickety Glitz because she's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to today's guest, who is a filmmaker that comes from Portland, Oregon, who is also the author of the Stumped Town Dementia blog. She describes herself as a former just about everything until she stepped up to the plate with her sister to provide their dementia mom with end-of-life best care possible. When her mother's journey ended, she found a new passion to tell the stories of dementia family givers. Thank you so much, Lickety Glitz. Welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. This is a thrill. We would love to hear about your personal caregiving journey, and then we want to hear more about wine women in dementia. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't everybody. (laughs) Um, Yeah, my mom was diagnosed with vascular dementia in 2010. And my dad swore he would take care of her at home till the very end. And my sister and I believed him because he's that kind of man. But he was also the kind of man to die of pancreatic cancer very suddenly in 2016. So my sister and I just took over. I was living in LA at the time, starting a new career, uh, uh, hoping to get to an editor's chair for network and, and film. And I just dropped everything and came home. And my boyfriend and I moved in with my mom. And my sister and I split up the week. 
she lived uh, she lives on the Oregon coast, so she would come for her days and stay, and then she'd go back home and work her regular job, and I was here all the time. And I still live in that basement, even after mom has passed on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really living the dream here. <laughs> so you say that you and your sister did this together. How did that go? Uh, it was... I, we could not have done it without each other. And my sister and I had had a pretty big falling out about five years prior, and we were just kind of coming together when dad died. So it was tense. It was difficult. But the one thing that both of us knew for sure is that we were each devoted to our mom. So I never questioned her dedication to this trip, even if I questioned the way she left the kitchen when she was done cooking a meal or you know just, <laughs> it, it was hard we were thrown together and and we had to learn dementia very quickly and we had to learn how to navigate each other very quickly and you know we hadn't lived together for what 30 years and but we, but we did it we had a guest on the show that has that has a book called sister shove where she did caregiving with her sister, and they both came emotionally from different places. One was a physician that had one way of looking at it, and one was more emotional and had that way of looking at it. But they, again, came together out of their devotion to their mother. So we know that dementia affects families, not just the person with the disease. Yeah, it was kind of like being divorced. Like, all right, we need to pull it together for mom, so how are we going to do this? And sometimes we did great, and other times we were um, very much at odds, but we always respected each other. I was the person with all the legal authority, but even so, if my if I thought this is probably the direction we should go right now, this is the steps we should take, I always went over it with my sister first. And, and if she had reservations, then I stopped and waited for her to figure out if it was going to be okay or propose a new solution or yeah, we just, we were very respectful of each other. So you said that you were kind of divorced prior to yeah, or had the falling out <laughs> and then you came together over your devotion, devotional mom. Yeah. Has that strengthened your relationship since that you guys have a much better relationship? We do have a much better relationship. I'm not sure it's because of mom. It might be because of all the wine we drank the night she was here. Oh, okay. I get it. Yes. (laughs) Once mom went to bed, it was like, okay, back patio. Let's go. (laughs) The the old grape juice. And then she did this, and then I said this, and then blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so we had a lot of mom stories to talk about, you know. And still do. And still do, yes. Well, why don't you share one of them? Oh, my gosh. One of my absolute favorite um, stories about mom, this was probably within the first year, Uh, she wasn't sleeping very well. And this was before we got her a sleeping pill. Um, And one night I had been dead asleep and she woke me up and I couldn't get her back to bed. And one one trick that I had is I would get into bed with her because she always wanted to be with somebody. So I crawled into her bed and I got her to sit down and lay down. And then the next thing I know, she's standing in her bedroom door and she's waving to me to come join her. And I thought maybe she had to go to the bathroom or something. So I said, Mom, what what are you doing? And she kept saying, 
it's the damnedest thing. It's the damnedest thing. And I finally realized she wasn't waving at me to join her. She was waving at her back shoulder. She had one little tattoo she got about eight years earlier of a flower when she went to Hawaii with her sister. And she had seen that flower in the mirror and she was trying to figure out what it was. <laughs> and I said, Mom, are you talking about your tattoo? And she says, is that what that is? And I said, yeah, you got it in Hawaii eight years ago when you were with Jenny. And she says, well, that's the damnedest thing. And then she'd just giggle. <laughs> I got her back into bed. She laid down. I was fast asleep. I don't know how long it was, but all of a sudden I was woke, woke up again with her sitting straight up in bed just going you got to see this. It's the damnedest thing. (laughs) She did that three different times. And the third time we got to laughing so hard, I thought I was going to wet my pants. So I finally got up and I kept her in bed. I got up and went to the bathroom. When I came back, she was just sound asleep. And I just said to myself, that's That's the damnedest damnedest thing. thing. (laughs) (laughs) She was so incredulous over this little flower on her shoulder. So, we, we talked prior to the episode, and you told us the story about the name Lickety Glitz. And it's a great story, so please tell our listeners why we introduced you as Lickety Glitz. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like you said in the intro, I'm a former just about everything, and I used to do cabarets, and at one point I was a, a an internet advice columnist, which she was terrible. I mean, I always had different names for all these different things that I did, kind of to keep my real life separate from the things I did for fun. And when I started the blog, I knew I was going to talk about dementia in a way that I hadn't seen anybody talking about it, which is one reason why I started the blog. And I I wanted both the name of the blog and the name of the person writing this to just signal this is not going to be your typical blog about dementia. And Lickety Glitz, I thought, well, that will just tell people right off the bat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) There's going to be some sad songs here, but there's also going to be some really crazy stuff happening. So, yeah. So tell us about your, I guess it was a cross-country trip. Yes. Yeah. And you're in the process of a documentary? Correct. Yeah, we're in post-production. Of your cross-country trip. Correct. So writing the blog, I was always so grateful to people who contacted me or left messages on the blog posts or emailed me. And these people became really important to me because not only were they saying, wow, you're helping my journey, but they were helping my journey. You know, they were helping me feel better about what I was feeling and what I was thinking and what I was doing. It was just a ton of support. And there were five people in particular who became actually pretty good friends, but we had never met. Um, Some of them I Zoomed with every once in a while. Sometimes we would, you know, email back and forth a lot or Instagram or however we met, you know, it was all virtual And I wanted to go meet them. I wanted to go tell them how grateful I was 
for their participation and for how they kept my support levels bolstered, you know. So after mom died, I got this crazy idea that I would just go drive around the country and meet these people. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, why don't I film it and make a documentary about it? Just caregivers talking about dementia caregiver stuff. You know, it was, it's kind of like recreating my sister and I's wine nights <laughs> in five different cities around the country you know, with five different people. And it was amazing. Um, I ended up, because of COVID, I was still, you know, I didn't want to fly and I didn't want to stay in hotels and stuff. And I thought, well, maybe I could get some, you know, old rickety motorhome and do it that way. And I did. And then I plastered it with mom's face all over it and wine women and dementia. My friend did a logo. And, you know, so we got it all decorated up and I hired a film crew and, we spent, I think I spent 27 days on the road going from Portland to Seattle to Chicago to Amherst, New Hampshire, Trap PA. I stopped in Atlanta to see a friend and Dallas was my final caregiver. And we would park in people's driveways. We'd hook up the RV. We'd set out the wine and we would talk all night. The camera crew would finally wrap because they were tired of listening to us, but we just swapped our stories and we laughed and I don't think, well, there might've been a little bit of crying, but, uh, you know, we just talked about what was so difficult for us and, and what made us joyful about it. And the interesting thing about the five people that I went to visit, four of them um, have made their careers out of dementia, much like, much like you guys have where it's that's another thing I wanted to talk about this trip is so difficult and so incredibly rough and yet so many people choose to stay in it once the the journey's over you know and that was really interesting to me too so I got to meet these wonderful people who I already considered friends and um you know it was, it was fantastic. And we have amazing stories. It's interesting what you, you know, what you said about once you go through it, so many of us stay in it. We're crazy. I, you know, I talk about my, my uh, father-in-law as have been one of the most important teachers that I ever had because caring for him changed my life. It changed the direction of my writing. I've been a writer since I was eight years old. You know, I was going to have the great American novel. I wrote a lot of short stories. I wrote some articles. You know, I did that kind of thing. But because of him, the two books that I have, Confessions of an Imperfect Caregiver and Caregiver You Are Not Alone, came about. So you have two great American novels. <laughs> he changed my writing and he also changed the direction of my life. Um, and Mike's too, because, you know, he retired after working for the federal government for 31 years. And, you know, people would say to him, what are you going to do all day? Just like they did to me when I left my job to take care of Roger. And this is what we do. It's a large part of what we do. And if it had not been for him, we would not be able to offer the kind of outreach and support that we do now. I'm firmly, I firmly believe that people come into your life when they're meant to be there and it's not an accident, just like 
am I connecting with you? And you connecting with those wonderful women that you you shared that time and wine with. We we had one man, one man caregiver, and he drank a beer. So we <laughs> like to present diversity wherever we go. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I actually participated in an event that talked about after caregiving, what do you do now? And it's part of a series of of workshops that I do on the six stages of caregiving. We talk about the stages of the disease, but this is all about the six stages of caregiving. And each one of those stages can be presented as a standalone or as an overview of the six. But people don't think about that. How as dementia progresses, your caregiving progresses and the support that you need as, as, as a caregiver as it progresses. Well, and we didn't, my sister and I, um, at one point we put mom in memory care because we just couldn't handle it anymore. And that was a very expensive five-week vacation because we pulled her right back out afterwards. (laughs) But then we had to hire in-home. So we had a part-time live-in caregiver. I mean, it takes a team. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this film the tagline for it is until there's a cure, there's community because that's what you need. You need those nights where you can just let go and talk to somebody about this and laugh about it and cry about it and tell them, you know, Oh my gosh, I was just terrible today. I was a terrible caregiver. And that person can help bolster you up and say, Hey, you know what you were, yeah, it was pretty (laughs) crappy, but move on. (laughs) There's tomorrow. Yeah. Get up tomorrow and punch dementia in the face again. You know, today you kind of blew it. Dementia punched you. I love that. You know, it's interesting because it was a few times where I would come home and I would come in through the garage and I wouldn't have both feet in the kitchen. And Bobby would be just an absolute mess. I can't believe I did blah, 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 or this happened or that happened. And I really suck at this. I'm not the person I thought I was because yeah. I thought I I thought I could do this and I can't. And I would have to tell her, "Hey, you're a human being and you feel human things and you're doing a wonderful thing even though it got like you said the better of you today." Yeah. You know, uh, tomorrow you're going to do a wonderful job or later on today you're going to do a wonderful job. Yeah. But yeah, that roller coaster is real it is and the guilt the guilt that comes along with it and you know what we what we tell people now is human beings have a wonderful ability to assign blame for whatever goes wrong and we usually assign it to ourselves unless we assign it to our spouse but (laughs) we usually assign it to ourselves Um, so i don't think anybody gets through dementia caregiving without guilt And too many times the advice is, there's no reason to feel guilty. You shouldn't feel guilty. Well, we're going to feel guilt. So what we like to tell people is, okay, like I I love your wording. Dementia punched you. um, And you behaved in a way that maybe you're not too proud of. Go ahead, feel that guilt for five minutes, 10 minutes, understand. And again, to use your words, you will punch dementia tomorrow. Um, in the face. 
right in the face and you will <laughs> um, feel it. Uh, allow those human mo- emotions, you know, have some wine with your favorite women or whatever. And, and tomorrow you, you do it again. When we were in Amherst, um, I was visiting Matt and Lindsay Perrin and Matt and I talked about, you know, what dementia taught us about ourselves. And it taught me how horrible I could be. And it taught me how much compassion and the heights I can aspire to as a, as a decent human being. You know, it, it taught me both. And both are very good to know, you know, about yourself. So, yeah, uh, when you talk about Roger teaching you guys, I, I had the same experience with mom. And she would have rather have not taught me, and I would have rather have not learned a lot of it. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But we did, and we made it through. And, and now, I, now I'm trying to make a film that it, at the very least, it reflects caregivers back to caregivers. So they can see that all of us are going through so many similar things. Yes. And here's how the five of us got through it with a lot of camaraderie, um, a lot of wine, (laughs) (laughs) and just a lot of telling our stories to each other. And it helped commiserating yeah so you also run the stump it's hard to say for me stumped town dementia blog yes here try it like this stump town dementia <laughs> my, my pittsburgh accents gets in a way <laughs> so how does someone subscribe to your blog or do they have to do something special to to uh subscribe to get your get your blog or tell us about it well they can deliver chocolate cakes here if they'd like, because that's another fantasy I have is wine and chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> With grapefruit juice. <laughs> um, no, it just, you know, it's stumped, S-T-U-M-P-E-D, Stump Town Dementia, and you can just go on the blog and subscribe or just read through as you wish. And lately, because I've been doing this film, I actually have been going to the archives section and reading all the posts from when I started to when I finished. And that's been really, there's been so many things I've forgotten and so many really beautiful moments and some really terrible ones. So um, yeah, it's, it's about caregiving. It's not so much about my mother and it's not, I'm not an expert on dementia. I don't follow the science unless it's, you know, real big on the news, what it is is the experience of dementia family caregivers. And, and when we share those moments, um, the good and the bad and sometimes the ugly, we do send a message to other caregivers that they're not the only person that feels these these feelings as we're going along in this process. And this is a long process. Uh, for us, it was seven years. For other people, it can be twice that long or, or longer. And to be able to relate with other people who understand what it's really like, who aren't looking at you like, you, certainly you must be exaggerating. <laughs> um, 
my favorite is always, where's all this poop coming from? There's poop everywhere. I keep finding <laughs> poop in all these corners. Like, nope, we're not exaggerating. That really happens. <laughs> exactly. You know, some of these behaviors are, are very startling. And you learn to, to laugh with it and you learn to cry with it and whatever the emotion is. And the, the more real we who have lived this can be with those who are coming into it, the better off everyone's going to be. Um, because you see on the Facebook pages and, and on the Twitter posts and what other social media posts there are that people who are coming into this are just as stunned as we were mm-hmm. because we think we, think we know, <laughs> but you don't. <laughs> you, you don't. The first time your lovely mother, who's always been so kind and church going and wonderful, says the F word right in your face. <laughs> it's pretty shocking. Yeah. Second, third time you're used to it. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll relate uh, a story. And <laughs> um, Mike's dad had had been in the hospital, and um, they sent him home with a catheter. And um, I was working in the kitchen, and he had come partway down the stairs, and he had his pants around his ankles, and he's like, "Bobby, come look at my penis." And I was like, "What? <laughs> What's this about?" Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no thanks. Uh, why? <laughs> and he says, and he was he was pulling on the catheter tube and telling me that it was leaking, and I was so relieved that that's what it was, <laughs> and not some other situation I was going to have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I think about my sister and I have talked about this. If it was dad how it would have just been a whole different journey, probably 10 times worse. (laughs) Or 10 times better, depending on your outlook. (laughs) (laughs) My mom was so mad at me one day. I was trying to get her in the shower, and she was getting angrier and angrier, and I was getting angry with her, and all of a sudden she turns to me and she says, you son of a buh, buh, buh. And I got to laughing so hard because I was like, oh, mom, you can't come up with itch, can you? (laughs) I'm so sorry. But it just changed the whole dynamic. I mean, she didn't. She was still mad. But for me, it allowed me to just kind of take the absurdity of it and laugh. Well, we had a similar we had a similar situation to that. So my dad was an immigrant from Italy. Right. So he grew up under Mussolini. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and, and that whole time frame in World War II. And um, he was, he hated him. And anytime, hated usually when he would say his name, he would spit. <laughs> he would say his name, Mussolini, and pff, right? So he was, he was mad at Bobby, and he was telling me about it, and very angry. And I sided with Bobby because, well, she was right. <laughs> It was one of those laxative moments. Oh, yes. yes. And, and he looked at me and he says, she's controlling you. She's controlling you. And I said, no, she's not controlling me. This is what is right. And he says, oh, you know what you are? I said, what? He said, you know what you are? I said, what? He says, you, you're a Mussolini. <laughs> <laughs> And I was so shocked at this, right? Because to, to him, that was the absolute worst thing. <laughs> oh. He could call somebody. And I was like, 
oh wow and he slammed the door to his room and i went down the hallway and i said did you hear that yeah and she looked at me she says yeah you poop nazi (laughs) (laughs) and that tempered the whole situation because she was very intense with his anger he was intense with his anger i was now intense with the anger yeah and that at least calmed the two of us down. He was still, like you say, he was still pissed, but we kind of, whew, we were able to take a breath. Yeah, and that's what we used humor for, just, yeah. just to diffuse the situation and diffuse ourselves, you know, yeah. if, if it couldn't help mom. And sometimes it did. Sometimes she would giggle, but <laughs> it's a crazy ride. And that's it is. one reason why I wanted to go talk to these people. I wanted these stories out there on film you know i want other caregivers and even people who aren't caregivers to see that this is it's all part of life man death is a part of life and this end of life journey and life being the the operative word here can be very difficult but it's still life and it's still you've got to maneuver and figure it out well what's that quote bobby that you always say about the what is it? Three types of caregiver. Three types of people. Oh, that wasn't me. That was Rosalind Carter. There's four types of caregivers. Caregivers, those who will become caregivers, those who will need care, and those who have been caregivers. But eventually, it touches all of us. And one of the things that I often say now is, we're all fine until we're not, and we don't know when not is coming. So we need to build this community around ourselves because. It may not be dementia, but as you said, we're all living life and life ends with death. Um, Eventually something is going to happen. We're all fine until we're not. And it's messy. And we get through this by by supporting each other. Yeah, it's a a messy journey. So you gotta have friends. And your tagline, until there's a cure, there's a community. I love that when I saw that um, on your website. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute joy. You're an absolute joy. I can't wait to watch the documentary. <laughs> I'm an absolute joy. You are. <laughs> and you can remind Wiggles of that anytime you wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are going to put links to Wine Women and Dementia and the Stumped Town Dementia blog on our show website so people can reach back. And again, thank you so much for being on the show. Really, really appreciate it. It's super fun to talk to you guys. Thank you for having me. Oh, we loved having you, that's for sure. Uh, One of my takeaways was dementia shows you how horrible you can be and also on the other end, how compassionate you can be. And it's all part of this dementia ride that we're on. In those dark moments of the soul, when you're, you know, when I said to you, I'm not the person that I thought I was. And you said, who did you think you were? And I said, somebody caring and loving and compassionate. And you said, well, you are. But we also have those moments when we're not. And we need to recognize those and tell people, you're going to feel uncomfortable when, when you're that way, but it's part of the process. You're human. To find out more about Lickety Glitz and get links to her websites, or to learn about our sponsor, Artist Way, visit rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we're dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. 
So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes and post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that dot show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. <laughs>